Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of April 2020. I'm kind of hesitant to, to say I hope you're all doing well because we're living through science fiction, aren't we? And Britain was good for the sci-fis, the very cheap types. So cheap in a, in a sense, and so ludicrous in the old ones, that is. Even though you watched them, there's a quaintness about them, but because it seems so far-fetched that you can laugh at them and their little cardboard sets and things like that. But they did show you scenarios that were really constructed by psychologists and the behaviorists, of course, because they're famous for that in Britain. Even a long-running Coronation Street that lasted generations, I think, uh, they, they had lists of psychiatrists and psychologists and the behaviorists and, and, and sociologists and all kinds of professionals that would deal with, with uh, different facets of life and bring them into writing the, the scripts and putting the real life situations into the scripts, but also for things to come. That was the beauty of it. Very successful that because they programmed the generations before the big changes happened. So each, each big change planned every, every 20, 30 years was, was put in carefully, incrementally, in drama form. And when the things really happened to the people, they'd adapt to it the same ways as they had been trained to by the fiction, basically. Very successful. And they boasted about that too. But it wasn't just Coronation Street. Britain had been doing it for so long with pretty good sci-fis, as I say. The ideas were, seemed to be far-fetched, but now they're, they're, they're pretty well realistic when you see things happening today. It was generally about bending your reality, all completely bending your reality. And Britain had a lot of practice in doing that with wartime scenarios. You've got to remember that George Orwell, for instance, uh, during World War II, was employed at the BBC, and he he gave different programs. Uh, one of his specialities was working with 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 the group that broadcast news for the propaganda during the war to India and to different uh, British colonies at that time outside of India too, in the Far East, and uh, very successful at that as well. But he also did um, talks on how to. And this is interesting because it's back in the news again and how to make uh, food out of very little, because we're going into austerities. This is the biggest year plan we're into now, austerity times, and training the public in a very drastic, fast way. And, and a war scenario, this war terminology against a virus, you see, it, it's all out there. And for martial law techniques to be used in the public uh, under different terminologies, same thing as martial law, of course, is when they can fine you, or even taser you as they're calling for now, or in some countries they're shooting you, I think the Philippines shot some people who broke their quarantine, even though they weren't uh, infected, to just refuse to stay indoors. Uh, This is what you're seeing today, you're you're seeing wartime scenarios. So Britain had lots of experience with World War I and then World War II, and all the other wars before that too. Because since the Bank of England was created, that nothing but wars, that's really what the Bank of England was for, to lend to the governments for the wars. And the governments had the right then to have a, a, an, a, a, an income tax bureau basically set up to get the money off the public to pay back the loans. A great scam, and in America followed suit, as I've said before. But the thing is, but here we are in the science fiction, right? And uh, it's almost cardboard sets, so isn't it? where every day 
if, if you watch the, I watch the, the stuff on the internet, if it's working alright, even though they've slowed my speed now to, for the good of all, you see, we're sharing our bandwidth apparently with so many folk at home, but we had the same amount of folk at home in the evenings before, so how come it's slower now? But again, we're living in chronology, isn't it? Because this is a time for big corporations across the board to just plunder us all in a free-for-all frenzy of, of looting, basically. Uh, that we have to all pay back down the roads. But even at that, we're told that you're not going to ever pay it off because now you're into the new system permanently, the new normal. And this is what they're pushing for now. And it's right in the open, of course. This was an intention before the thing broke out, obviously. I mean, obviously. And it was all done in the planning phases with the big exercises before this supposed COVID-19 broke out. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was all done uh, the kind of world they'd, they'd want post-COVID basically and how they'd bring us into it and there's no doubt at all about it uh, this is the full agenda into the new planned society the socially controlled the scientific socialism where experts now guide and rule your lives it doesn't matter if they're phony or if their doctrines are phony or anything else as long as they're appointed there and they talk with authority then we're supposed to obey them in all kinds of areas, economic areas and, and police, military, you name it, and medical. Uh, you're supposed to disobey them, you see, how to live properly according to your betters, you know, like Bill Gates, people like that. People who came out of special wombs and who are elevated into stardom through the big money that they have because you pay to be made a star, you see. And there's a big club at the top that has all these different uh, stars in fact, they even create them to be what you think is very, very uh, clever, etc. They're not at all. They're front people for a bigger club above them, actually, even though they seem to represent billions of dollars. But that, that's how the world's really run. The so-called gods, the hidden masters, as they call themselves. And uh, they decide in their little clubs at the top how we're going to live every 20, 30 years and where they want to take the world in every 10, 20, 30 years. All these long-range plans. We're living through it right now. Now, once again, I've got to remember this will be a long talk. And I should, I should really remember to request that you send me a, a few bucks once in a while. And preferably now, because you'll forget later on, naturally, to cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You'll see how to do it, how to donate something towards me. Send cash or, or a check or whatever it happens to be and how to do it and where to send it to, etc. Because, as I say, times are getting tough for all of us, and I know that too, for all of us. Some people would reap fortunes. They're the sharks who make blood while money is running in the street, as Mr. Rothschild said a long time ago. And there's going to be a lot of money to be made off the, the bankruptcies across the country and the world through this planned system, unfortunately. A lot of folk, an awful lot of people, this is disgusting, actually, how... Big plans are made, and they really are made this way for war types and strategies. And millions of people can be sacrificed to get big agendas through. They call them noble lies, and they work hard at it and so on. And we can see how so much is going to be fulfilled uh, through this incredible sacrifice of the elderly and the weak and the infirm and all the rest of it. It's just really sickening to get a big agenda completed. I've done talks for so long on this because I've, I've literally gone blind reading all their stuff. And, and here we are living through the, this phase that they, they, 
that the Green Party in Britain literally cried to have happen years ago, a few years back. If they could just get a wartime scenario and, and people would obey authority and they would live in, in, under hardship conditions and accept it. And, and they'd all sing together cheerily in, in the underground as they were getting bombed and so on. And she thought that was fantastic and, and yet accepted deprivations and austerity and rationing and all that. And here we are, folks, eh? Bingo, bingo. And what did she have in common with all the rest of them? Well, she was put in place by the same folk that put Bill Gates in place with his organizations that, that you try to use, you know, the Club of Rome. All, this, all these groups are all one big bunch of a cabal, you see. One, all different faces of the same cabal, different, slightly different functions, some of them. They fool mainly the public. Because the, the agenda, they're on board with the complete agenda of depopulation. They tried to use global warming. Before that was global cooling in the coming ice age. And a lot of them who were who really pushed that out there, uh, like Ehrlich, you know, with his population time bomb and all that, did the, the ice thing. And then they turned to the global warming thing when that didn't quite work out. And Ehrlich's wife, remember, was uh, uh, on the board of the Club of Rome. They're all connected. It's just coincidence, so, really. And they came out with a big agenda and oh, that how they to bring the world into a proper way of living where their betters would manage you. Exactly what G. Wells talked about. He was quite open about it. Anticipations and, and so on. And a modern utopia, things like that. He, he was quite all, completely out in the front with it. You, you'll, you'll do what you're told. You'll obey your betters. And they'd eventually sterilize uh, the, the inferior types, as, they, as he called the H.E. Wells. He said it was more humane. He said initially we thought we'd have to kill them, but we thought, no, it would be more humane to sterilize them and they'll die off in that generation and, and they won't be breeding any more of their own kind, basically. You know, the inferior types. That, that's been on the go. We're, we're, this is not the second century, this thing, you understand. We're into now. H.E. Uh, Wells was involved in this in the late 1800s, a lot part of that. He was picked up early, you see. And he proved his masters then. He'd be an awfully good propagandist, and they made him a star. With a lot of help, because lots of them out there really have an awful lot of help to make them a star. And uh, some of them today, they're parading around in front of you, didn't invent anything at all. They're just businessmen, or the fronts for huge businesses. But they're made with stars from machinery. I can't believe how many people have, have got in touch with me, but with, so sick of seeing Bill Gates' face every day on the news. Well, they're quite right, you see, because he's playing the part of the technocrat now, the, the unelected but appointed by the better group, uh, as a technocrat to rule over us. Well, I'm not, I didn't vote for him, and I never will. And whatever he, he's telling us we've got to do, I'm not going to do it. And I hope you're all going to be the same. This guy's been at this for, for years. Once, once you, once you hit that strange ding, ding, ding number of, of billions and billions of dollars, you're supposed to think they just suddenly become philanthropists with the same agenda. Oh, well, there's too many people. They all have to get vaccinated and, 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 and but depopulated at the same time, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and live sustainably. You know, with the sustainability thing, the sustainable goals and all that, SDGs. And they just know how to do it, how to make you all do it. But they need a crisis. To, 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 and it's just through familiarity you start to believing they are an authority over you. No, they're not. No, they're not. 
Bill Gates with the, all the usual suspects, you know, Friends of the Earth and all these big paid organizations with literally CEOs with big, um, big paychecks. I know paychecks given to them by the big foundations, these front people with their armies of NGOs, again, with the top, it's almost like a military, the ones at the top are all paid lots of money, the ones at the bulk down below, they think they're actually doing it um, uh, for the good of the planet and so on, for the right thing to do, because they haven't grown up yet, you see. And uh, they're easily, easily used. Every youngster is the same, in every generation, but today it's an art, and they've, they've been trained since school for, for what's happening today. Little, radical little um, lefties who are quite willing to push for something they really don't understand at all and have swallowed the, the indoctrination without a thought because they haven't been given anything opposing it and during the indoctrination if you're getting one side of everything as you're growing up that's all you're going to believe you see and that's what they do believe but Bill Gates is, is funding out lots of different groups of course with the usual characters who fund big big groups of youngsters and uh, it's, it's fascinating to see the Club of Rome involved in it too. They all they all know each other. They all work together. You see, with the same goals for climate, using the climate as an excuse to take all your rights and freedoms away, and, and eventually get you to stop even breeding. At least all the wrong people breeding, so the right people like themselves can breed, like Bertrand Russell says. You know, he had it all worked out that uh, they could only have a few females as breeders. He called them. Selected and the ones at the top would simply pass on the genes. Well, now they can do it all in the lab. And Brave New World was ahead of it all a long time ago with that kind of idea. But they're going to breed out all the, the wrong kinds, as they say. They'll keep a, a, a few peasants at the bottom for really basic work just in case anything goes wrong. But uh, for most folk, of course, most folk literally in the West that grew up through the 60s and 70s and 80s were trained not to even have children and were trained that, that marriage was, was a, more than just a downer and, and of course they, were, they had the pill thrown at them the, the so-called um, birth pill thrown at them uh, literally like bags of them I think because they didn't want girls to have, to have children and then what come in the 80s and 90s the, the governments that told them not to have children, you know, just do your own thing and be happy. And then, uh, the, 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 But the government said, well, there's not enough people to take over, and so we've got to import them. And in comes mass migration as everybody else is getting phased out. It was all worked out in advance for those who think it's all happening happenstance. Nothing happens in happenstance. The Bill Gates generation isn't the first of these super so-called gods, you know, the headmasters we've had. We've had them going way back, and if you look at, as I've said before, the, the members of the societies that Rothschild was involved with, including the scientific elite of his day, mind you, in the 1700s, for instance, uh, it's amazing uh, how they were, even then, uh, planning the kind of world they wanted to bring in for the next century. And they set up the, the, the left-wing groups and the, and the right-wing groups, uh, for every part, everything that you might think of, you might like to join, they've got a party made up for you. And if you want to rebel uh, in some way or another, or, or just be rotten as a child, you see, as you're growing up, they've got the uniform for you, whatever it happens to be at the time. Spiked hair, before that it's just the blue jeans, and before that it was bell-bottom jeans and, and beads and everything else. And whatever it is, they've got a, a uniform made for you, it's so 
perfected. Nothing happens by itself in this system. I hope you understand. And here we are. They couldn't get it all but rammed through. He gets living austerely. You see, stop driving altogether is what really wanted. Agenda 21 has it uh, plainly stated there, which all your governments agreed and signed on to. Uh, it says in it, so no private vehicles eventually. It'll be simply uh, essential vehicles only. That's police and military and ambulances and government inspectors and things like that. So in the meantime, they're getting phased out with, with temporary electric cars and I mean, until you're locked down. And think about getting locked down into your community. Well, you won't need the car now, won't you, if you're in the city, will you? You understand how this, this is the big windfall they were looking for. They couldn't make you do it voluntarily and give up eating this and eating that or even eating meat. So you're going full steam ahead into authority, martial law type authority, to save us all, you understand, but take all your rights away. The oldest trick in the book, to save us all. You've got to allow uh, others to make your decisions, every decision really for you, like Russell said, a world of experts. And of course they're all politicized experts, there's front people who get paid awfully well to tell you all lies. With, a, with an authoritative attitude though, as long as it's convincing, you'll follow it. And here we go into, isn't that amazing to live through this, these times? Where you're, where you're, if you've read a couple of hundred years of their books and their, and their different surveys and all their wishes and, and agreements and, and uh, the agreements have signed on through the United Nations, you know, all of them come into fruition suddenly. When, as I say, they couldn't do it through voluntary means. Remember what Carl Quigley said, awfully important, Professor Quigley. And because he was a, he was a historian for the, the one of the private groups uh, that still runs the world today, there's different levels of them, and the, the bureaucratic kind that worked really as journalists, a lot of journalists, and travel the world and so on, and they're often appointed within governments that comes from foreign relations. Uh, he was he was the historian for them, and he said he said that they have changed the world so much that through what we've done. This group, this private group from England initially, running the world now in the CFR branch in America, it's all the same group. Then you understand it's um, it's quite fascinating. He quickly said that they changed history so much that he thought it was time that they announced it to the world and the world would simply accept it. He believed, you see, that he in his own class, his own type, had the right to rule the rest in a technocratic fashion, being specialist, you see. And already that's what he, his job was, was to train uh, diplomats and, and different uh, people in American government and diplomatic uh, um, capacities, basically and how to negotiate things with other people across the world, superseding the forms of government or democratic governments as you think fit, because they have a different way of doing things in reality. It's not like what you think it is. Uh, the, those who are appointed really don't see themselves as serving you, the people down below at all. It doesn't enter their head, actually. And they think they're superior, like benevolent dictators, that old idea. But Quigley himself said, the thing is you've got to understand, you've got to constantly basically shape the minds of the public, the herd, the great herd, for what you want them to do, for you, without them knowing about it really. And he, and he said that you can do more 
and five years of war. Because you, you, you can take the reins of power over completely and people will obey you to save them. So, so five years of war can do more than 50 years of propagandizing and peace. Try and convince the public, you see. And that's what they've been doing for the last over 20 years with the, with all oh, the world's going to fall apart with global warming. It's just going to fry, yada, yada, yada. And we're all going to die, die, die. And it's all your fault, all you people. It's all your fault. And the ones who tell you that, like Al Gordon, you've seen all the houses they have and all the electricity they use and so on. Doesn't matter. And the jets that they give fly across the planet and stuff like that. Doesn't, reality doesn't matter, you see. You have to be trained to be guilty and feel bad about it. And it works awfully well. Especially if the one, the parents have been trained the same way before, you see. They'll, I guess, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to save the world for our children because it's, it's been all disrupted by our, our existence and things like that, you see. And it's all a big ploy by those at the top who want to rule the world completely by themselves. So here you go, you've got five years, I think you get five years out of this, the world will never change at all. And I, again, back to the science fiction of Britain, when you saw the, the the different movies that they made, like Fahrenheit 451. And it seems kind of quaint looking back at them at the time in the, in the socialistic fashion, where you have the firemen who ground the houses, much like today, you know, the only internet they use and try to scrub things off the net, or even fine you for looking at things. And back then it was four or five, one that the temperature, he, he claimed that, that uh, where paper would just ignite, go on fire. And the firemen, when they put fires out, they went round, like a Gestapo looking for people who were, who were covert readers, actually read stuff, you see. And, and their, their minds were contaminated about the beauty of things and they were, it's all forbidden in a socialistic autocratic system, basically. Um, so, that was their job to find people who were secret readers, who were therefore subversives, and and you'd get their their book collections that they'd got hidden away in, in inside the walls and things, and you'd you get the books out and put them on fire and destroy them, and you had to label them all. You couldn't take any home, or you, then you were a subversive. You see that idea, eventually, was incorporated into a much later movie. Uh, I can't remember the year it came out, two thousand and something to do with um, something similar, subversion, people reading books and all the rest of it. And I guess that's where they got the idea from. It was called Equilibrium, I believe. And everybody in the system, every citizen too, and every cop had to be take daily drugs to flatten their responses, emotional responses, because emotion's a bad thing, you see. Uh, with emotion, you might get angry about things or, or disagree uh, vehemently about something and it makes you harder to control. So it's much better when you all agreed on the same things and, and nothing really bothered you really too much. But getting back to 451, Fahrenheit 451, yeah, they did burn your books there in that one too. And in one scene, they show you they're looking for the renegade, the guy who breaks free and, and realizes that he, he liked to read books and things and, and it's awfully interesting and important. And they're after him because he's one of their own, you see. And they, they grounded the, 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 these housing schemes, typical British little housing schemes, all socialistic and little boxes, little boxes, one after the other. 
and the people are ordered, or they're ordered from a, the van going around with a big tannoy system on it to get out their homes and assemble with their families in the front gardens so as they could all be seen. And they dutifully all complied, you see. And even then, in 4512, uh, drugs were profuse, especially for people staying at home, uh, for home people because they're bored stiff, and that interactive uh, television where you could take part in shows yourself from your own home and get drugged when you're doing it. In the other movie, the Equilibrium movie, the people injected a drug into themselves. It's the same too. You find the same thing with Brave New World. Huxley knew, and he held hope out, actually, Huxley, that a drug would come out that would make people very compliant and happy regardless of the circumstances and and um, without too much side effects, basically. He looked forward to that time because other if people had their own minds, you see, you, you'd taste a lot of very careful management to keep them in, in line without taking all the rights away because then they really rebel. But if you have them drugged, they're compliant, they're happy. And people are, have been waiting and waiting for the drugs to come along and be forced upon the public. But they didn't do it that way. They simply made it legal and the government financed it and subsidized it. <laughs> you buy your own drugs, you see. It's not coincidental, folks. Oh, I'm just in time for this, eh? Where folks can stay home and get lots of drink or take drugs and, uh, and, and lots and lots and lots of entertainment. It's interesting too that sex has always been used for control as we, we all know. And anybody broke, we went through the sixties and seventies with an eighties through it with a sexual revolution. It was incessant, all promoted from the top. The BBC, the posh, the posh accents you see at the BBC. And they used to only bring people on who worked there at one time from Eton. That was their favorite place to recruit all their employees from. So they all talked with the posh accents, you see. Were kind of, ha- kind of sneeringly, you know, condescending to anybody else that was brought on. But they, here's the BBC, the posh ones, you see, promoting to, for the people at the bottom to have, to have sex and rock and roll. And aren't we naughty? We're all on drugs. And, and they literally would bring on people. I think Benny Hill did a good impersonation of one of them, uh, who, who, he talked right that, you're not mine. And so he was a, he was a, a drug star. I'm mean, now <laughs> same thing actually. He was a drug dander star, and he kept falling off the chair because they actually had people doing that. The BBC doing his interviews, and the youngsters were seeing this. And they thought it was great that this this renegade, the real in the reality, the, the real ones, were, were falling off the chairs because they, they didn't even know where they were half the time, and that was promoted from the top. You, you understand now? You're starting to get it. Promote it from the top. I did talks years ago about that when at colleges and the universities that the drugs were being thrown over in bags over the walls by the, the secret services, you know. In the States, you know, the CIA groups doing the thing too to make sure they took off, make them free and plentiful. And that's how they really promoted it all. But yeah, aren't we naughty to the children? Uh, and the children hadn't, hadn't the, the brains at that time and the, and the common sense. They said, wait a minute, why, why are the posh ones pushing this on the people? It didn't dawn on them. So you had sex, and, and uh, initially it was pop, they called it, for, for the music, and then it was uh, rock and roll. 
Uh, so it was quite fascinating to live it through it all and see it being pushed, pushed, pushed because sex is a tremendous thing for disrupting all of the way things were. You wouldn't have a partner you'd marry and have children with. The idea was to have multiple partners. And like H.G. Wells said way before that, he said, if we encourage them uh, to have promiscuous sex by almost forcing the women, he looked forward to, uh, to the, before World War II, looking forward to it. He said, he said, if we can get the women into the, into the factories to replace the men who are all fighting, they'll, they'll have more affairs in the workforce with, with the men who are still there. And the less likely to stay with a, one man once it's over. That was the idea. It was quite, uh, quite plain about it all. There was no real secrecy. They boasted about what their plans were. And they were awfully successful. So they, they knew that if they could stop the bonding process that happens naturally during sexual activity with a partner, if they could prevent that from happening, then they, they'd conquered the society. And they, they generally wouldn't have children, especially if you gave them free abortions and things too, for any any mishaps, even though they had the pill and that kind of thing. So sex is a tremendous weapon because you can disrupt the family unit with it. And here you go. It's, it's there again too. You, as you went through this crisis today, huh? You, you got booze at home, and you got all these articles about how to, how the police are to manage the public. Because they know there'll be a lot of domestic violence, not just the men, but women too. If they have enough booze and they're stuck at home and just get cabin fever at home. And then they're on drugs as well, which they can purchase or have delivered and all the rest of it. And uh, and the police are told to look out and how to manage it, but, but more likely under the circumstances, you know. So it's all, it's all, and then they're getting all this cheap porn, you see. Pornography. Oh, the, the big porn hub is, is given free once away in some countries and stuff, free memberships. And it, it, you can see it all in action at the same time. And in the Daily Mail, a few days ago, they had some of the best businesses that are still working uh, during all this supposed lockdown and so on. And it was sex shops, you know, what they're selling. Yeah. I guess the folk are so bored with whatever else, but it's astonishing to see all the techniques that were laughed at when they were first announced by people who were conspiracy theorists, you know, uh, who were simply quoting from the books by the people who were planning it, who, who were all from Oxford and Eton and Cambridge and, and so on. Uh, but uh, it's, it's astonishing, isn't it, to, to live through it all and see it all happening. So everything was thought out in advance, the drugs, you know, keeping it home, and uh, lots of entertainment, cheap and, and uh, pretty well free at times too. And then suspension, a temporary suspension of rents and, or mortgages for a lot of people as well. They probably lose their shirt eventually, of course, along with their homes. But but uh, at the moment, they can just have a, a sort of fun as they look for more ways to amuse themselves as they're stuck in their homes. So yeah, all the old sci-fis are here. The ones people used to laugh at and say, oh, isn't that ridiculous? And Really? Huh? Is it really ridiculous? Who would have thought a policeman would be telling you to get home? You, if you were 70 years old, huh? what are you doing now? You know, are you a child? No. You're allowed your one short walk, eh? Or someone even, 80 or 90 even. What are you doing out? Some, some young punk, you know. With his little policeman's hat on. It could be a woman too. And that's how they're talking to the people. Disgusting arrogance of authority. From idiots. Huh? 
There's no, you know, you can look at their examinations. They actually have to, this used to be put out and published at one time. They actually have the, if you have a certain IQ above you, they won't accept you. I'm not kidding you. That's a fact. See, you can look up yourselves. They want folk who will just get stick like a little bulldogs and, and, and annoy somebody and just like a gnat going around your head until they, they upset you enough that you'll, you'll retaliate in some way and they can charge you. That's the kind of characters, unfortunately, they've been hiring for a long, long time. Especially in places like Britain. And you would think there'd be some kind of embarrassment or shame from the police and acting in such a way. But nope, not at all. They're competing with each other and telling people, talking to people like they're children. Huh? Just amazing. But that's why you can't give police that kind of authority. Or in the military for that matter, because when they get going, that, then the blood starts flying. That's what militaries are meant to do. They can't use them for anything else. They've tried that in many countries as policemen, and they slaughter people everywhere. That's what, that's what the military is trained to do. But under the, the, the new police type systems, it's not far off it either. Don't forget, a lot of them now who, who are donning the uniforms, and have the uniforms on as police were maybe five or even at the most ten years old, say, when 9-11 happened. And they're the policemen, men and women now, who think it's quite natural that you shouldn't have be photographing buildings and cities. And, and you have no rights under under this uh, not quite stated martial law of, of 9-11, what followed 9-11. But they've been raised thinking, yeah, they just don't have those rights anymore. And they think it's, it's right that police have whole departments scanning folks' computers and, 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 and police hubs, they call them, too, intercepting information going back and forth. They think it's quite natural to be, to be the, the, the overlords of the general public, the people they're supposed to serve, but seem to have forgotten long ago. That's the world we're in today. And what's happening in Britain is the same in Australia. Australia is astonishing, really, at, this, at, 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 the, at the openness of, and the arrogance of those in power, steamrolling ahead, uh, as though and, and loving it, you know, just chomping at the bit to get going with with the next phase, and the money that they're getting thrown at them, the taxpayers' money, uh, you know, is going to end up in a lot of pockets. We're living in such an incredibly corrupt system today, incredibly corrupt. It's hard to believe how corrupt it is now. Greed, greed, greed. And again, Carl Quigley, who was a member of the group pushing for this whole world order, this, this managed socialistic type world order. Socialism is not for the good of the public. It's for the ease of those who control you. That's what it's for. That's what he designed it this way. And he thought it would be great, but he said eventually the greed factor of rising middle classes as they come up to the middle class and, and the competition in a market for greed and medicine and everything would be so corrupt, he says, that, that uh, eventually the system would fall apart. And that, that's one thing he was right on. It's absolutely it's happened. The hospitals are short of money, but when you see what's getting spent, not just, forget the, st- the staff to get a massive amount of it, uh, especially doctors and specialists and so on, but the, the, the hospitals, remember, they're businesses, and they have big boards, and they have investors in them, and most of them belong to chains. They're like chain stores. You don't realize that, and they've got to get more and more profit in, and not in every possible way they can. And here's the thing, too. 
every generation is trained, especially the ones who were brought up in, in austerity. I mean, Britain, uh, when, I, when I grew up, uh, literally, you had ration cards at birth. Ration cards literally kept going for years after World War II. And then after that, you, 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 folk couldn't afford meat anyway, if they could get it at all. And if you did, it was very, very scarce. And maybe once a week, you know, maybe less. And, and that was normal because they, you had two world wars and in between you had a Great Depression. Then it was a, a constant Great Depression from before World War One, <laughs> all the way through. And then after it, through, through the Great Depression and the World War Two and rationing it right up into the 1950s and almost into the 60s. It was about the 1960s it started to get a bit more pocket money for a little while from, for some of the people, not all of them. And you had wages, uh, price and wages freezes, you know, wage and price, or price and wage freezes, they call them, by government decree, and uh, folk just couldn't get ahead if they were at the bottom. And prices still went up, even though it was supposed to be frozen, but the paychecks didn't go up, and taxes kept increasing. They even had had uh, brownouts, uh, which were going to bring back again, uh, which we've been chomping in a bit to bring in before this happened, this present COVID thing. And here they'll, they'll start to do it uh, under austerity programs. I gave talks on this for, for years and years at this whole agenda because I read what they publish, you see. And there's no conspiracy involved in it unless you, that's what they're doing is a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy of, of keeping the people in the dark. That part is true. Uh, and then you'll often hear about governments meeting behind closed doors. Well, that, what do you think that is? If they are public servants, why would you be meeting behind closed doors with supposedly, supposedly no journalists present? There's always select ones get in if they belong to the right organization. But, but behind closed doors, well, so the public don't know what they're up to. Because you might be after them if you knew what they were up to. Where's the openness eh? and the honesty? When they connive together, hmm? It's all connivance, and that's how we're really ruled. You understand, if you're ruled, you're not governed. There's a difference. And we're now ruled. And when they bring the technocrats forward, the so-called the, 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 the big billionaires that are made into stars, and suddenly they're philanthropists that pretend they're specialists in certain areas, and, and they're given all this airtime by other folk who own the media, who, who also belong to the same big club. You understand, you don't have democracy. And you're living through an agenda, their agenda. And they've been quite open about their agenda, their annual meetings and the World Economic Forum, and they all belong to that too. All the same groups belong to each other's groups, you understand. And they're quite open about it. And, and the thrill of, of using this one too, this big crisis, to get all the global warming agendas through and the climate change agen- agendas through. And the carbon taxes increased across the board until we're all paying hefty fees in carbon for everything just for existing. Huh? To bring you into total austerity. And giving you new things to eat like crickets and bugs as opposed to meat, etc. Do you understand what this, where this is all supposed to go? Because you're going to go back into the 1800s, where life was hell for most folk. And the lower you were down the totem pole, the more hellish it was, into the 1700s even, and squalor and disease, etc., and ill health with lack of good proteins. That's where you start going down. Where all the energy, remember, was a techno, the actual group that called themselves Technocracy Inc., Back in the 1930s. 
and some of the well-known folks today are the grandsons of them, by the way, these, again, promoted stars and that you're supposed to all follow and do what you're told by. That was the idea that, that there'd be a price of energy. Everything was an energy price, and money would be energy units, and whatever you bought or, or used would be all energy units. You yourself were an energy unit. You see, and that's what it's all based on, energy units. And a credit system, like Bertrand Russell called it, different names, same thing. And this is what it's all about. They bring you into it with a cashless system and maybe universal, meaning mean world credit credit systems, you see. Universal credit system with the new unit and all that. But anyway, um, you'll be dished, dished out by your big masters because you're going to save the whole world, you understand. You have to be, it's all for the greater good. And you'll, you'll have your credit, credits put into your bank account, your electronic bank account. Every month, like Bertrand Russell said, and you better be good and do what you're told, or you'll be punished. They'll, they'll take you, they'll, they'll forbid you from withdrawing money to pay your rent, because you won't own much in the future, you'll be paying rents. And you, you'll be on your knees, because you couldn't even afford food then, until you behave yourself and you, you promise to, to you get penalized until you obey them. And you stop being so antisocial. You see, this is the terms they use too. You start, you, if you disagree with any of the rules and regulations, you're antisocial. And that's now a crime. You're antisocial. Disorder, they call it in Britain. So it, it's all here. You're living in the sci-fis that they put out in the 50s and 60s and 70s. It's all here. And even further back to the 1930s with Brave New World. You haven't got to the utopic, brave new world bit. Utopic for the ruling class that is now alphas and betas. But um, you haven't got there yet. But that will come for the elite, because they're the alphas and betas according to them. It's all their joke, you see. Or like Prince Charles that says, well, I'm a member of the Olympians, he said. You know, he's one of the gods, you understand. And you hear these, t- these things being said by these characters, and folk don't quite get it, do they? They really don't get it at all. But yeah, the people you're meant to follow today are, are technocrats. They're not, they're not specialists, by the way. Bill Gates is not, he's not, he's a businessman, a massive businessman with fingers and lots of pies. And he doesn't give away anything for free that he doesn't get back a thousand times over through different companies that make things and so on. Including the things for the charitable companies that he does across the world. And his big plans for the world, big plans. I don't, I can't trust the man at all. I look at his face even, and he so, looks so deceptive in his, in his facial expressions. There's nothing you, I would trust about that man whatsoever, believe you me. Never mind some of the statements he's made in the past and talks he's given. Uh, no, you can't trust a man like that. You, you can't do it. But that's what we're in today. We're given these characters. One, one of them, some of them will know how to live or not drive or what to drive or maybe their vehicles to drive. But all the rest of it is, 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 is technocracy, basically. And here you are in it now, eh? Where the government's going to give you your universal credits. And they're talking about making it all permanent. I'll just stay home and don't go anywhere. And uh, I wonder if we'll become like the troglodytes that lived in the caves in the ancient times. We'll be so pale, you know. Like, 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 like anemic vampires that need a good drink. And what we'll, we'll can I come out once in a while to get yelled at by someone in a, in a police outfit who will taser you if you, don't, if you don't obey them and get back in your cave? Hmm? Maybe that's how it will be. Because look how fast they've got everybody doing. And that was, that's part of retraining people, by the way. You make them do incredibly ridiculous things. 
It always ties into thoughts. Always tie into your thoughts. You understand, which are all connected in in, in little groupings of, of connections and clusters of thoughts and thinking. Because topics are the same way. Look how you've been trained for the last umpteen years, but again from the top down, as to what you see. When you see with certain things, right? You all know what I'm talking about. You can't say what you see anymore. You might even get fined because you you say what's obvious, self-evident. That term, self-evident, like the, the Americans have it in their constitution, you know, when they're talking about things like natural laws. Self-evident. There's nothing to be disputed when it's self-evident, you see. But you're being, your brain has been... Scared, you've been frozen into denying your own your own abilities to discern things. Now you're told, well, maybe I'm wrong. I thought that was, but you see, you're trained, and then you're bad. You're bad if you if you if you if something is self-evident to you. Some wrong with you if it's self-evident. You know, you know where I'm going here. But then you take that. You've been trained already into this aberration of of not of doubting yourself, doubting your discernment. That's that's imperative to change. You see. And then the next thing is, you, hey, hey, you're you're not six feet apart, you you lot there, and so you're all walking down the road and and, and kind of signing to each other because you're the further away you get, you can't hear each other talking. If you yell, a couple stop you and ask you what you're yelling. So here you're going into this new train system of of something that's utterly ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. Do you know if you're outside? Do you ever take, and you get fined if you do, mind you. So you can't win in this system. If you have little bits of paper, take little bits of paper with you. Just little bits, you know. And if you're outside and, and a cop yells at you, right, drop a little bit of paper. And, and if, if he's down, if he's literally, if you're downwind from him or her, you yell at them and get out of the way because their breath, even if it's 20 feet away, is coming in your direction with a little breeze, right? You'll know where You understand what I'm saying here? Because they don't, they don't get you for, for littering, though. But you can say, well, I'm just trying to save my life, officer. You know, because you endanger it by, by breathing and shouting in my direction. And that breeze is carrying up way past me as well. I mean, if those folk down there, way down yonder, you might have killed them by your breath. That's real bad breath, isn't it? But that, this is how ridiculous it all starts to get. But when you enter the stores, it's not so bad. You see, it's okay to go into a store. It's in a closed environment. You're all breathing the same air. That's somehow okay. If, you, if you're allowed in for your rations, you know. And uh, and they've, how they've trained folk too to fall. It's like, did you ever see, oh, what a lovely war? It's a good satire on how war is. And how the governments get you all riled up and use the young, young characters to join up and, and, and they're, they're all called Smith in, in a satirical way in the, in the movies to join up and things like that. But towards the end, you, you see a line in them, in a ghostly kind of line going across a hill and they're falling, they're falling this, this tape. It was a yellow tape, I think it was, or white or yellow. And that's all, because they're blind now. They were all gassed, you see, in the trenches. Well, here you are going along the Walmart places now, you're following the yellow tape. And, and all, just the same way, and here, don't stand there, stand here, you know. And it's all these adults doing what they're told. And there's no sense to it at all. There's no sense what. Do you, do you realize anything you touch 
It doesn't matter how far apart you are. Anything you touch on those shelves, someone stalked them. Hands stalked them, those shelves. Are the items you're buying six feet apart? No. They've all been contaminated in some way by someone touching. It's farcical what we're going through right now. But see, the intent is not what they're telling you. The intent is to get you to accept the absurd because we've got a lot more training to do to you. I really mean this. I honestly mean what I'm saying here. They've got a lot more training. They don't, they can't let this just get, a lot of planning went into this whole thing. A lot of planning. Never mind the, the Johns Hopkins. A big experiment with, with uh, the, the Gates Foundation and so on in 2019. You know, two or three weeks before I actually supposedly broke out. Or, or the Rockefeller one too, 2010. Or the military one, by the way, they had for the Navy even, uh, just before, at the same time actually as the, as the one that uh, Johns Hopkins had. It was a massive exercise, you know. All planned in advance, but but here you are living through it. It was just coincidence that all it was all just uh, kind of perfected what they would introduce, including the social distancing and all that stuff too. Just coincidence, eh? That that was all in the Rockefeller one, two thousand and ten. The social distancing and and how the the people would have to stay at home and get paid by governments and stuff. Just coincidence again. You understand? The good sci-fi writers or whoever did it for them. But that's the world we're living in, folks, and they've got a lot more to do. They, 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 there's no way. I, I, they're almost pleading for folk to start killing over with COVID-19. They really are. Canada's been bringing lots in, still coming, bringing them in from India and Africa and all over the place, uh, saying that these are folk who get a pension and can't go over there back home to live again, you see. And it's cheaper. So try and get them to come in, to, to get the numbers up with folk who've got to. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. That's the only reason I can think of. Because they've never followed any any of the, the quarantine rules to, to defend a country. You don't. You never risk a healthy population. That's the first law. You don't. You stop all aircraft, literally all aircraft, to defend a healthy country. If you bring the infection in, then you've just defeated the whole purpose of it. You see? So, you know, there's more at work when, when they don't follow any of the, the basic rules, as you well know. And then the kits they've got, all the test kits, are just a joke. Absolute joke. Even the labs are admitting that now. And so many, so many of the tests are getting contaminated inside the labs now. You know, that's, that happens as well. And there's even studies come out by uh, the top virologists and the organizations admitting that um, even vaccinations for flu can, can influence uh, these COVID results as well. There's all kinds of things going on here. But look at the incredible push that you've had to terrify the whole planet. Absolutely terrify it. And they made sure you, you, this, they were churning out these, these pretty awful um, Pandemic and plague movies for, for years now to make sure you all got them. Oh, there's that, there's that kind of tent they put up there with that white tent and there's that bit you walk up there and you know that the folk they'll get in there just get wheeled out their side of it. Oh my God, you know, you've all been trained, you see. So they go into action and they start putting all these tents up in the military, put 120 of them up in the states and different cities and they haven't used any of them. They're dismantling them, some of them now. They didn't have one patient. 
repetitively scared the people, didn't it? Because you, oh my God, the tent, oh, we better obey what they're saying because we're all going to die. I'm not kidding you. This is, this is how things are really, really managed. It's, it's astounding, really. Astounding. I've got the, the old socialist international uh, plans for the, for the League of Nations that morphed eventually into the United Nations. And again, the need, the need uh, uh, and again, H.G. Wells was very prominent in that. He, he had a big party. He was overjoyed. He wrote a book about the, the League of Nations. And he said, now he said that we can use the bureaucrats and the technocrats to bypass governments. And so, so, because bureaucrats in higher levels, you see, um, they, they really are technocrats in a sense. They don't serve the public. They don't pretend to serve the public. And uh, they probably don't know most, most of them even exist. You don't even get their names or anything. But they're head of, heads of all the departments that run the, the country. And he said, he said that now he says we can buy a, a bureaucrat in different departments in Britain can converse with bureaucrats and with people in Germany and in France and across the world. He says, and and let me bypass all the, the politicians. Because the politicians, no matter how, how they're all roguish and crooks and all the rest of it and terrible psychopaths, that they have to put a pretense on serving the public. Whereas now, of course, they could just bypass all of that and, and, and converse with each other and get things done and even make their own laws and rules. That's what you wanted. But better than that, though, they had it broken down into departments. And I've got the, I've got the old, old books from the League of Nations, you see? And there are different departments already set up, uh, for, for running the world and the regions too that eventually morphed into the ten, ten regions eventually for the United Nations, but. And the Club of Rome even uses the same ten regions today. All connected, it's not coincidental. And the League of Nations also had the Department of Health, you see. They would deal again uh, with, with mass vaccinations and inoculations. And they had, a, they were so enthusiastic about the power they would give to scientists now, you see, in the early days. And back then they, they hardly knew what a virus was. There are all these plans on, on vaccinations from the very young and how they keep pumping things in to your, your body your whole life long. Uh, for every citizen in the world, they really had all these great big plans, you see. And they didn't really let, let it go. Uh, and they still at it today with, with their big, big plans, regardless of um, the rights of the public. You understand, you've got to be trained that you have no rights, uh, that public safety overrides rights, you see. And since you get big pandemics or scares of pandemics or even bogus pandemics, the, pa- the things in the past with H1N1 and, and so on, it happened, came and went. Uh, and the ones went 2009, 2010, for instance, uh, the WHO tried to, to get the, the scare things going, but the numbers didn't add up. And there was of some of the countries had more folk dying of the flu then than you're having dying of, of COVID today. And the, even the flu. Have you, have you found the numbers of the flus right now that are killing people? You'd be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find them. Because they're all getting lumped in with other ones. I've got the reports here. I'll, I'll put some of them up tonight because it's been admitted now. They're lumping in suspected with confirmed. And then they're admitting to all the confirmed are not really confirmed because they break it into pneumonia as well. Add them in too, etc., etc. So the actual cause 
of deaths uh, is, is to be put down. They, they're telling them now put them down as COVID. That, that happened again with, with the previous flus, actually. I remember them well. Where they, where in Canada, and I, I kept all the articles, by the way, and I, t- I gave them over the air at the time as that was going on. They actually told uh, all the, the doctors to and, and the clinics and so on that were dealing with it and the hospitals uh, that um, they put them all down as that particular flu that year. It was a few years ago. Uh, under the guise to, well, I couldn't test them all, just put them all down for it. And so anybody even phoning in at that back then with a sniffle or for advice or whatever was put down as having that particular flu, even when they didn't. Uh, uh, so everything's always fudged, you know, for, for the for the big agenda. And we are living through a massive agenda because the whole austerity program, the new way of living, where, where rulers were maybe experts, and, and uh, every area would have experts. It'd all be monitored, maybe even chipped. You see, it's all right open, wide open on the right on the cards, right in front of you now, because it's in the open and being hailed by again from guys like Bill Gates, who's got a finger in every pie when it comes to making money in business, all for the good of the planet. You understand? And uh, and, it's, and you, there's nothing to guess at anymore. It's fascinating to live right through all this and watch it happen. And watch the people being trained so quickly. And yes, they, they, they will stop uh, thinking for themselves. Russell went through again. There's nothing new that's happening. The behaviors, the big experiments for the last hundred odd years on us all to make sure that different techniques would work. And they do work on us. And when you deny your own sensibilities, uh, you're, you're wide open to be reprogrammed completely and to even walking backwards if they tell you to do it. They'll give you some ridiculous, oh, well, I'm walking backwards. You need to see it's safer for society, you know. And, and that's, that's really how... This is, Russell said, too, we can train children to believe that snow can be black. And if we keep them away from other children until they've grown up, they'll always think it's black. And you can bring a whole generation up thinking it's normal to walk sick, never get closer than six feet. You know? And stay in your homes as much as possible. It's, it's so farcical. And then the police again to the stopping people. I'll put one up tonight too. A little clip from a YouTube where a woman in, in England was on her way to a store for, 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 for a little grocery bag or whatever. And had a stop at the park bench and had a seat. And along come the two cops, you know. Like, what's she doing there? Why are you sitting there? And she told them, she says, I'm having a seat, you know. And the, and the whole point is a short time. Like, the longer you're going to be out, you're going to pollute the atmosphere. Do you really believe this rubbish? Huh? Do you really, do you understand how ridiculous? You could put this in a movie and folk will laugh at it a few years ago. But it'd be so ludicrous. There's even a church in the States where to get around the, the, the gathering together thing, they're, go, they're going to drive round in a circle in some field somewhere and have a kind of a service in their cars, like a drive-in movie. See, you all these behaviourists behind the scenes working try, and playing with you, try to get you involved, make you think it's all exciting. Eh? That's what they do in wartime, the same kind of nonsense. Then they'll have these, these shows of, of, of healthcare workers outside there all getting applauded by the public. Meanwhile, some of the hospitals are empty. Except for the ones outside clapping their hands. Not kidding you. Yeah? 